He's a retired police commander, a very popular podcaster. Years after retiring from law enforcement, his life was negatively impacted by the effects of years of trauma. So much so that his life was threatened. A program called Shatterproof for first responders at FHE saved his life. He's here to tell us all about it. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. We are thrilled to partner with Shatterproof at FHE, the world-renowned treatment program for first responders. Because, at times, helpers need help. Exclusive treatment services for first responders who may suffer from exposure to trauma, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and substance abuse. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420. 833-776-1420. That's 833-776-1420. Or online at fhehealth.com. That's fhehealth.com health.com under programs you'll find details about shatterproof calling us from arizona we have patrick fix gibbons on the phone patrick's been on the show before patrick is a friend he is also retired police commander whatever that means because we have different ranks here in the east coast than they do in colorado that's where you served right yes i did i served for about 23 years uh, in colorado sir and he is the host of a very popular Criminal Justice Evolution podcast. And, and I, I appreciate everything you do. And I'm going to be really upfront. We have a lot of tough conversations in this show. Patrick's story is a tough one, uh, but it's a very good ending to this story. And what it involves is, unfortunately, something happens with first responders way too often. Years of trauma, years of violence, years of all the things that we see catches up usually when we retire and it has a horrible impact on our quality of our life is that a, a good way of saying what happened to you absolutely jay you know nobody gets into law enforcement you know brother nobody gets into law enforcement thinking that they're going to have problems uh, in the future they just don't they don't talk about this in the academies but you, you nailed it most if not all first responders see some horrible things throughout their career and it affects them later on in life and it manifests in different uh, different forms here's where it gets really tricky and you're right we never talked about this in a police academy i understand they're talking about it more now than back in our day we didn't talk about, what we were told to do was suck it up yeah you're police that's how they talked in baltimore you're police go do your job you can grieve and mourn and and lick your wounds later and I know that sounds harsh, but that's the reality of how we dealt with things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that 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 line of thought, it might have worked back in the day. It's archaic, though. It doesn't work today. And agencies that have that mindset or the culture of that mindset are, are really struggling. I mean, everybody's struggling in law enforcement. You know, yeah. and the listeners know. But, you know, you really, you really can't have that mindset anymore. And unfortunately, some agencies do. 
And here's the reality. And before we get into Patrick's story, the reality is, look, if you live in a big city and you have a big agency or several big agencies covering your area, they're having a huge problem retaining good people and recruiting good people. Where it really is the most profound is if you live in a community that has a small agency. Let's just say Mm -hmm. it's an agency that has uh, 100 people serving you, serving your community. Losing 10% of that agency, that's a huge loss. And this is something that happens daily across America. Yeah, absolutely, Jay. I mean, smaller agencies, I spent my career in smaller agencies, less than 100. The majority of law enforcement agencies in the country fall uh, into that category. And you're exactly right. Look, nobody is, you know, breaking down the door like you and I when we became cops to become cops. I mean, the retention levels are low. Attrition rates are through the roof. Fortunately, there's still brave men and women who want to get into law enforcement, but the numbers aren't there. So we need to help and serve our members that we have and do whatever we can to keep them. Sure, people are going to leave, but we need to do a better job at uh, mental health and wellness for our first responders. So many people that leave are leaving because, and I read a startling figure. They say Mm -hmm. about 35% of law enforcement officers nationally, they go through critical incidents resign within a year of that incident 35 percent and i've read reports that they say 15 percent of american law enforcement officers other first responders included uh, are suffering from some degree of ptsd or or another i think it's much higher and we get to our retire ranks that number skyrockets absolutely i mean the numbers i mean you, you hit it you know we've all heard of the dark figure of crime you know crime that's not reported to authorities the same goes true you hit it jay with uh, you know, addiction issues, mental health issues with our first responders. That 35, 40%, yeah, that's what we know about. So I agree with you 100%. The numbers are, are you know, it's pretty much guaranteed they're very higher than that. Here's where I, and I don't want this to come across critical. Patrick knows me well enough to know that that's not my intention. Patrick is one of these cases, and, and he's not an exception. And I'm, I'm speaking about you, but you're not an exception mm-hmm. to the rule in that we don't seek help. We don't ask people for help. One of the hardest things for a law enforcement officer to do is, is to let someone know they need help. And Patrick did a really good job of not letting anyone know how bad things were getting when they got really, really bad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I went through months, uh, probably a couple of years of just kind of a downward uh, trend in my life, Jay. And you're right. We all wear masks. You know, well, you know cops are the best, you know. I learned a long time ago, brother, whenever a cop says, you know, if you're asking them about personal stuff, I'm fine. That doesn't mean that they're fine. That means something's going on. And, and I was at that place. You know, I started isolating. You know, I was very depressed. Uh, you know, started, you know, withdrawing from family and friends. And I was just down that di- downward spiral a- until I decided, you know, enough's enough. I was pretty close to, to you know, taking my life. And I, I reached out. But unfortunately, a lot of first responders don't. And the stats prove it. They don't. And unfortunately, and there's two segments of population we're talking about, active duty, law enforcement officers, and that includes those who resign. So say former and the retirees. And typically retirees die within two to three years after oh, yeah. retiring. And here's the reason why I believe, and maybe you can lend your opinion to this from your experience. When I retired, I knew what my job was in the department. I knew where I fit in. I knew what I had to do. 
when I retired, all of a sudden, all that was gone. And I my sense of identity was gone. And unfortunately, I didn't have anything to do. So what I wound up doing, I think. And I think about stuff from the past mm-hmm. that comes out to haunt me again. I worry about the future. And in the meantime, I'm destroying everything in my present. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit it. You know, I, I didn't realize, Jay, that it was going to hit me so hard. You mentioned loss of identity. Look, I was a cop for a long time. You were a cop for a long time. When I retired, I, I just thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll live the retired life. I, I was involved in different projects. Only until I went through my depression and isolation, all those things we talked about, did I realize uh, such a huge part of me was tied to my identity as a police officer. I was out of the loop. Nobody told me anything anymore. I mean, that's to be expected, but I I didn't realize how much of who I was was tied into wearing that badge. Um, And I had to learn, you mentioned it, you know, trying to forecast into the future. I had to learn through treatment to live in the present. You know, we all worry about the future, but living in the present is is what we need to do. That's one one key to, to recovery is just, you know, taking each day as it comes. There's two things I can do nothing about. One is the past, and the second is the future. And unfortunately, I tell people this all the time. My mind is like a really bad neighborhood. In police work, you didn't go there by yourself. And yet, I would voluntarily go there in my mind, by myself, without the aid of backup. And I struggled for a long time to get out of that. And when we return, we're going to talk about Patrick's story, what happened after retiring, the downhill spiral, and how shatterproof for first responders at FHE saved and helped rebuild his life. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. I promise you, we'll be right back. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420 or online at FHEHealth.com. Return conversation with Patrick Fitzgibbons on the Law Enforcement Show. Patrick is retired police commander. He's also the host of the very popular Criminal Justice Evolution podcast. And, and someone I've known for quite a while, and I consider him a friend, and a, not just a colleague, but a friend, and, and a brother in blue. During the time I've known you, Patrick, would it be safe to say that you had this, and the term used earlier, this mask on, that you didn't let people see how bad things were getting for you until they really hit a disastrous point? Uh, you know, absolutely, Jay. You know, uh, starting in... Uh 2020, and I go back further back, uh, than that with some incidents that happened to me, but 2020 was just such a, a devastating year. I went through a horrible and contentious divorce, and that really, really was kind of the nail in the proverbial coffin that really kind of 
you know, really cast me down and really, you know, hit, you know, it hit me really hard. And that was the downward spiral. Before that, uh, in 2019, my uh, son uh, attempted suicide. That was another blow. So it was a combination of my son's doing great now, by the way, recovered and is in recovery. Uh, you know, that event and another event that really, really hit me really hard. And I, I just continued to spiral. You know, one of the things with police that we we jokingly laugh about, but it's kind of serious, is the, the marital problems. And it is yeah. something that is not unique to you. It's not unique to me. I tell people freely my first marriage ended mostly because of my inability to handle the traumas of law enforcement better. Uh, I'm not saying she didn't have her side of the street to deal with. I'm just saying that's the part I can focus on. It's the only one I can do something about. And if I didn't find a way to get better at that, I'd have a miserable life. When I became aware that you were having marital problems and you're going to go through a divorce, I began getting alarm bells going off in my head. And we started talking more about, hey, are you okay? Yeah, I, I, I wasn't, you know, okay. And you mentioned masks before. And, you know, I, I had moved out of uh, the home that uh, my ex-wife and I had, and I was staying with my brother. And, Jay, it was just, uh, again, I was in contact with you and other people. Um, and, again, I was just had that mask on where I was, you know, masking it with alcohol. I started drinking every day. My, my day, brother, would start, you know, getting up in the morning, waiting for the liquor store to open, going, buying what I needed, coming back, isolating, just drinking myself into oblivion. And it was like Groundhog Day, you know, <laughs> get up, do the same thing every day to a point where I was lying in bed, I had a gun at my side and I was going to kill myself. I had a plan. Uh, and instead of doing that, I put my gun down and reached for the phone and, and finally, finally reached out because I knew I was going to, I knew I was going to end it. And I reached out to my sister. Now my family knew something was going on, but they never really asked, you know, because I, again, I always always say, you know, I was fine. And, you know, I put a smile on when I had to, until I got to that point where I knew I, I was in bad shape and I reached out to my sister. And that was really uh, the beginning of my journey uh, in recovery. Is it fair to say that ending your marriage is not something you wanted? No, absolutely not. You know, I was actually taken by surprise and I, I don't, I don't blame her completely. I mean, I had my part in it. Like, like, you know, you, you said with, with marriages, there's always two sides of the story. And, but I, I was really blindsided by it. I mean, I don't, you know, in, in hindsight, I, I don't, blame what she did. I, I was a mess. I, I was very, uh, very horrible at expressing my emotions. Uh, you know, what I was going through, especially after what happened to my son. And I just continued to, to go down hills, but I didn't want it to end. But uh, I know if it didn't end, I wouldn't be here right now talking to you, brother. Right. Absolutely. And here's the other question. And this one seems really harsh, but I can tell you from my own experience I never thought I would be the guy I wound up being. I never, ever imagined I would be drinking the way I drank, doing the things I did, uh, isolating the way I did. I never thought that was in the cards for me. Did you ever see yourself becoming this bad? No, no, never. You know, I was, you know, you mentioned my show. Thank you. Uh, I was always the, the person you know, who, who was, you know, talking to guests like you and other great people. And I was always, yeah, you know, people need to do this. And they, you know, if they, you know, reach out, they need to reach out for help. And, but I wasn't the guy that was practicing when I was preaching and, until I got to a point where I really had to do some introspection and, and, and look at myself. And this happened uh, with treatment. You know, I had to do what I learned this, a search warrant on myself, <laughs> which I heard from another a great friend of mine and I stole it from him, but I, um, 
you know, I started doing that, but I, I never realized that I would be in a room drinking myself into oblivion, waiting until the next day came to get up and go to the liquor store and hit repeat. You That's know, the uh, shocking part about this. See, we're getting in law enforcement. I know you went through this too, because it's something that's universal across the United States and probably in parts of Europe as well. When someone has a drug or alcohol problem, law enforcement is part of their life. And you get called at their house quite often. The people who really go undiscovered in that are those who work in law enforcement. And I'm not saying it's a negative. I'm just saying they, they know how not to get the police part of their lives. I'm not saying that they do criminal things. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying one of the worst things you can have happen is for the police to get called on you. Absolutely. So we become really good at this mask thing of not letting people see. Absolutely. You know, when I went, when I reached out to my sister, brother, you know, my, my younger sister, and, and she raced over to, to where I was staying, I told her, look, I'm going to kill myself. I need help. I was drunk. But to your point, you know, I, I knew exactly what to say when I checked myself into the hospital. I got there. You know, it was a sterile environment, and I don't blame the facility. I mean, they're doing what they have to do to help me, but I knew I didn't want to stay there. And so I told the psychologist what I needed to say because with my law enforcement background, I checked myself in voluntarily. I knew I could leave voluntarily. So I knew the game, but I also knew that there was a place that was better than the place I was at that dealt specifically with first responders. I just had to get out and utilize my network and find out where that place was and that's where the you know 1000 pound phone comes into play did you find it <laughs> difficult to pay the phone and call someone say, i need some help uh, i did man it was the hardest thing i ever did and i know you and i were in contact with each other but you know jay when, when i reached out i was so embarrassed i was so ashamed i was fear the minute i reached out and started making those phone calls and said not just my family but both my friends you and other people and said, I, I need help. Uh, I'm at rock bottom. It was like a weight lifted. You know, it was like just tremendous for me. I can't speak for everybody else, but for me, it was like a weight lifted where I started crying, you know, because I finally had this weight lifted off my chest. I still had a ton of work to do, but that part of me wasn't afraid anymore because it, it, I, I got it out. If my memory is correct, you reached out to Brock Bevel. He's one of the guys that helped you. Brock yeah. was a guest on a prior episode yeah. of Law Enforcement Today's show, and he's helped save hundreds of lives. Yeah, Brock's a good friend of mine. He's down here in Arizona right now. As a matter of fact, I just saw him yesterday. Yeah, I reached out to Brock, and he said, you know, look, I can bring you to Arizona. There's some treatment facilities, but I really do think you need to be down at Chatterproof in Florida um, you know, among other first responders, because Jay, you know, you know, if you're in treatment and I, I don't mean this as a dig on the general population, but I want to be with first responders. I don't want to be with somebody who doesn't know what it's like to be a first responder. I mean, everybody's going through problems, you know, whether or not Absolutely. you're a cop or not, Absolutely. but I want to be with people like you because you get it. I want to be understand with- each other. And here's the funny thing. We know how to talk to each other where a lot of exactly. people don't. And one of the things that we avoid at all costs are, what I call stupid questions, and I promise you, we won't get into those. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We'll turn our conversation with Patrick Fitzgibbons in just a few moments. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Flintstone Media has been the digital messaging bedrock of several brands and businesses, serving as a highly resourceful podcast production house and consultancy firm for over six years. Work with a leader in the industry and add a new podcast to your brand's content offerings. 
From show development and set up through recording and distribution, Jemmy will lend her experience launching dozens of podcasts and producing over a thousand episodes, making creating your show a simple and easy turnkey process for you. Visit FlintstoneMedia.com for podcast samples. That's FlintstoneMedia.com. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. This is Law Enforcement Show. Return our conversation with Patrick Fitzgibbons on our show. Patrick is a retired police commander from Colorado. He's host of the very popular Criminal Justice Evolution podcast. And we're talking about his story that, like many, many first responders, I mean many, years of trauma, years of violence took its toll. And it's fair to say you began drinking yourself to death. You you went up with depression and some other issues as a result of this trauma. Is that correct, Patrick? You know, absolutely, Jay. I was drinking every day. I've never been a big drinker, but I was drinking like most addicts do. I was drinking to, to numb the pain. You know, and to, to, to numb it and make it go away. But as we know, drinking doesn't doesn't do anything. It might numb it temporarily, but it leads to other issues. Yeah, I tell people, not to get into my story, I got sober 30 years ago. And for me, I don't know what it is, but something about alcohol with a trauma from police work, it's like throwing gasoline on a fire. It just does not work for me. No, absolutely. I mean, we all know that alcohol is a depressant. So, okay, if you're depressed... What's it going to do? <laughs> it's you're adding a depressant to depression. Yeah. But so you, you didn't might, see that when you, you were consuming no. all this. You were drinking to self-medicate. Is, is that fair? Oh, yes. You know, I didn't see. And I, I was heading down towards, a, you know, a problem, a drinking problem. But, you know, I always thought, Jay, you know, it's a proverbial, well, everybody else has the problem. I'm, you know, I have a reason why I'm drinking. You know, I mean, I have a reason. And, and, and the one thing I, I, you know, tell people, you know, first responders who might be listening and other people I talk to is, you know, and I don't mean to sound curt or mean with this, is that the problems that people are dealing with first responders, they're not unique. Everybody has the same problems. The good thing is, is that there's people who have been through it that can help you, you know, through those problems. And I always say this, too. Uh, if someone in your family has a drug or alcohol problem, as long as they're breathing in and out, there's hope for them. I don't care Absolutely. how many times they've struggled and failed or whatever it might be. As long as they are breathing, they've got a shot. Uh, those who are no longer breathing in and out do not. The battle's over for them. Uh, people like yep. Patrick found a way to get help. Uh, earlier in the conversation, we talked about you, you hit a really bad bottom. You're drinking every day. You're depressed. Your marriage is, uh, is over. Everything you work for and you're retirement years was gone you had this facade that you kept up and i'm not saying it's a negative but you kept it up and you worked really hard on your podcast and other things but people didn't see what was happening behind what's the the wizard of oz thing don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain (laughs) yeah absolutely you know like we talked about you know i i did a really good job at putting on a mask i still had my show i was i was doing weekly uh, with the exception, with, excuse me, with the exception of when I was in treatment, I kind of put it on hiatus. But, you know, I, I began to isolate a lot. I didn't see it at the time. I, you know, I would just tell people I'm busy or something like that to make up a story. But inside, I was I was just devastated and I was spiraling out of control. But I knew 
that, you know, I had to keep the facade up, you know, I had to keep the happy face. Uh, but, but people, people knew something was up and that's a, the, the thing that with the first responder community. And, and again, this is an indictment on the computer. Uh, this is not an indictment on the community, but we don't ask people, Jay, how are you doing? You know, do you want to talk about anything? I, I love those people that, you know, say, Oh, if you need anything, let me know, you know, and then when you need something, they don't answer the phone. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's, I was really good at, at putting on a mask and, and just playing the game until I couldn't do it anymore. And I'm like you, I still tell people I'm fine, even when I'm not. Yeah. That's the answer you're mm-hmm. going to get all the time. Uh, and, and when and when I do need help, when I am struggling, which is not often, I know who to talk to. I have people yeah. I talk to about it. Uh, and I don't get in with the funny thing is the people who are not in the first responder community, I don't get into specifics at all. Because I found a long time ago, especially when you deal with trauma, if you deal with someone, and God bless these people, the men and women, years of medical training that that tried to help me, they did the best they could. I was not an open book, and I wasn't going to talk to them because I got stupid questions from them, and I did not like that. Well, they don't know. You know, most people get what they know about law enforcement on TV or the movies or Netflix or wherever. So they don't know. They're curious. Most people, Jay, you know this, and the audience knows this, most people in their lifetime maybe see a handful of critical incidents, horrible things. I'm not trying to mitigate that. But first responders see that on a daily basis. It's like a suitcase. There's only so much stuff you can pack into a suitcase before you can't close it anymore. And I was at that place where my suitcase was overflowing. And, and, and I couldn't do it anymore. And I put on a good mask, but I knew either I reach out or I kill myself. And that's what, so it, that's what it came down to. Those are your choices. Suffer the miserable yeah, exactly. end or, or reach out for help. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to go back to that thousand pound phone. Was it still difficult to pick <laughs> up? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we were talking, I, I started utilizing my, my network brother. I reached out. I remember vividly that, that night where I was reaching out, I started talking to people who you know, had been through treatment, they were like, you know, we're going to get you some help. You know, you're our priority. I mean, just, just calming me. And, and I had tremendous anxiety uh, during that time. I never had anxiety before in my, in my life. Maybe I did. I just, you know, suppressed it. But I, I was so, you know, I had really bad anxiety. So I, I started reaching out. Uh, and within 48 hours, brother, I was in Florida. It was surreal. I remember when my sister drove me to the airport, I was scared. I was fearful. I had deteriorated. Jay, my Physical health, I, I was, you know, 250. About a year prior to that, I was down to like 195. I mean, that's all I was doing. I was drinking. <laughs> I would occasionally eat. But I was driving to the airport. My sister was driving me. I was so scared to get out of that plane. I mean, I never had anxiety before when I traveled. But got out of a plane and at the airport and, or got out of the car uh, at the airport in Denver, and my sister kept texting me, get on the plane, get on the plane, get on the plane. And I finally got on the plane, and before I knew it, I was in treatment down in Florida. Yeah, and we're talking about treatment. It's a shatterproof program for first responders and mm-hmm. FHE in Deerfield Beach, Florida, which, by the way, I've toured their facilities. Phenomenal place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was not there. I told Patrick. I knew Patrick was going to be there, and I said, hey, I'm 30 minutes away. You think the guy <laughs> would pick up the phone and say, come visit me on a Saturday? No. <laughs> well, you know, in treatment, I, as much as I would have liked to see a brother, um, 
you know, in treatment, they, 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 they don't want you to have visitors, not because they don't care, but they want you to be immersed in the program. Uh, and the Shatterproof program, like you, like you mentioned, beautiful campus, and they're doing amazing things down there. It, it's, they also do traditional treatment, which is counseling and group therapy, but they also take a holistic approach to, to you know, the wellness of the first responders who, who come down there. It really, you mentioned it uh, a while ago, it saved my life, and it provided me with the foundation and the tools needed to, to leave that facility and leave treatment to, to go on with my life. We'll cover um, some of the I, specifics in a moment. I, I want to say this too. FHE has a huge, very, very successful treatment program for just about every walk of life. We have the Shatterproof program for first responders. We've got, and I hate this term, general population, whatever you want to mm-hmm. do. That We have programs for military. They have everything there. Uh, some of the things that they offer for the first responder world, they also offer for other buddy else, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they have, you know, yoga, uh, breath work, music therapy, you know, neurostimulation and neurofeedback, which is basically, brother, just teaching your brain again not to focus on depression and isolation. It actually helps rebuild neurons uh, in your brain, those damaged neurons. And each each program is specifically designed for the patient. So it's not like a cookie cutter approach. Everybody has their own treatment plan, which is really amazing. I, I again, I, I reached out to, to Brock and he, he told me about Shatterproof. I'd never heard of it. And then I started researching it before I got there. And it's truly an amazing program. And first responders, and when I say first responders, I just don't mean cops. I'm talking correctional personnel, veterans, you know, uh, dispatchers who often get overlooked uh, as first responders, you know, fire department personnel. I mean, they're all down there, and it's a family when we're there, and we're all going through treatment. And it really, I was there for about a month. At their website, fhehealth.com. Look at their programs, and you'll find Shatterproof right there. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're turning our conversation with Patrick Fitzgibbons in just a few moments. We'll be right back. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. John discovered a cool new app, and he just can't put it down because it has millions of great podcasts, including Law Enforcement Today. So now you can listen anytime, anywhere, and also chat with John. It's called Podopolo. It's free on either app store, so join John there. Follow Law Enforcement Today and DM John when you do. That's Podopolo. Download it now. This is Law Enforcement Show. Return our conversation with Patrick Fitzgibbons. Uh, Patrick is a retired police commander. Did law enforcement work in the state of Colorado. He's also a host of a very popular Criminal Justice Evolution podcast. And thanks to a program, Shatterproof for First Responders at FHE in Deerfield Beach, Florida. Go to FHEHealth.com. Look at our programs, Shatterproof. You'll find it right there. He's now living a very happy and healthy life. I appreciate you coming on and talking about this, Patrick, because it's not comfortable. And you're doing a great job, by the way, talking about things that, that are not comfortable. Um, and quite often, yeah. there are people that, that crash and burn badly, and many of them 
And we've got news reports about active duty law enforcement officers. We have retirees, and not just law enforcement, corrections, dispatchers, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, you name it, dying of suicide. It's a huge problem. And a majority of these are, I believe, impacted by the triad. I call it post-traumatic stress-related symptoms, substance abuse to treat that, and they have either marital problems, relationship problems, and or disciplinary problems at work and that becomes too much for them and they opt for suicide. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and I was there, um, you know, I've been in those places. Uh, I think a lot of people are in those places, but the one thing that, that people have to realize, and yes, these are just words, but it's true is you are not alone. You know, I always tell people that it, you know, it might seem like you're alone, but help is just one phone call away. And that's what I encourage people to do is just pick up that phone, you know, and call FHE, call me. I don't care. Uh, my business now is to connect first responders who are suffering from addiction, mental health issues, or both with the services down at FHE and Shatterproof. So that's my new mission now, brother, because I know a lot of people, we've been talking about it, uh, a lot of first responders are suffering in silence. Uh, and there's so many more, much more than we actually know that uh, are, are just, you know, waiting for things to get better, but they need help and they need to take that first step. So to, to paraphrase your story, you, you crashed and burned after retiring. Everything that's mm-hmm. important in your life began to fade away. You were drinking excessively. You had uh, a lot of trauma-related symptoms, mental health issues, and your life was spiraling out of control where you were opted for suicide or reaching out for help. And you reached out for help, and you got corrected to Shatterproof. Yeah. And, you know, my journey, again, started when I made that first phone call to my family, and then it just kind of went after that. And then within 48 hours, now everybody's built different, but within 48 hours, I was down at Shatterproof in Deerfield Beach, which is where the campus is that you visited, uh, and I began my treatment. And I was down in treatment for about a month. Now, people say, whoa, that's a long time. Well, there's a reason behind that. You know, Shatterproof wants to keep you there for at least a month. You, you don't have to stay a month, but we're creatures of habit, Jay, and we, we like routine, and, you know, we want things to sink in when you're down there. And so that's the reason, one of the big reasons why we want patients to stay down there for about a month so they get into that routine of repetition and so it sinks into a good habit later on down the road. And while you're there, you got exposed, you're, you're with the first responders, you got exposed yeah. to a lot of treatment things that were not available 10, 20, 30 years ago, EMDR, neuro stuff that I really don't know the proper terminology for. Uh, could you explain those? Well, EMDR is, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's basically training your, your brain again to, to kind of suppress those, those, those feelings, those, de- uh, you know, depression. Now, EMDR and RRT, which is rapid response therapy, are used in conjunction with everything else going down down there. I mean, it's not just one thing that's going to get patients better. It's a collaboration of different modalities that that utilize that Shatterproof utilizes down there. You you mentioned you know uh, you know brain the brain stuff or neurofeedback or neurostimulation. It's actually EEG brain mapping. And what I exposed well, I was exposed to when I first got down there when I was an intake brothers. They said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to take you to neuro. We're going to map your brain. And I'm thinking electric electric shop therapy. I was yeah, like, wait, one wait, wait, of the cuckoo's nest is what I think. <laughs> I hear that. You're running around like you know Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Um, but no, it's not basically what they're doing down there. And it really is state of the art. Very few facilities offer this. Shatterproof is the premier facility that offers this for first responders. 
um, basically map your brain. They put these little probes on your head and they map areas of your brain and it's unique to everybody. Every patient's different, but mine were depression, isolation, suicidal ideation, uh, and PTSD. What they can do after they map your brain is with a series of treatments, they can actually, again, with a little, little milliamp, it's not shock therapy, but a little milliamp of, uh, you know, stimulation to the brain, they can actually rebuild those neurons. And when I was there, the average is about 15 sessions they would like you to go through. I went through 18. And what it does is that it actually repairs, promotes healing to those areas of the brain that were suffered, that were suffering and were traumatized by the things I just mentioned. But that EMDR, RRT, music therapy, yoga, breath work, you know, swimming pool, massages, you know, group therapy, individual therapy. It was a collaboration of those different, uh, those different treatments that really, you know, were eye opening. Uh, the neuro was amazing. You know, that was like the difference between night and day. For those uh, but, looking outside in that aren't affected by this, I'm glad you're not. It sounds like uh, a camp for adults. <laughs> it is. That's a great way to put it. It's, it's, it's not but, a bad place. I'm saying is when we think of treatment, oftentimes I still conjure up these in your mind of, you know, horrible, uh, like one for the cuckoo's nest type places. And that's not what it's like at all. It's very supportive uh, nurturing community where you're with like-minded people and a lot of lives are saved. As a matter of fact, I'll go so far as to say, and I don't know if you can or cannot, many active duty people that wind up going there because they got into trouble uh, find a way to rehabilitate their careers and return to their careers and have healthy careers afterwards. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Look, as a first responder, and I'm talking the whole umbrella, everybody under the first responder umbrella this is going to, whatever you see, whatever you hear is going to manifest. And to your point, Jay, many of the patients go back to their agencies, rejuvenated, refreshed. They got some treatment they desperately needed, and they go on to have successful law enforcement careers or first responder careers. You know, I mean, but we all need that help uh, at some point in our lives. And, and, you know, it is, I'm not ashamed to tell people my story. Uh, anymore. No and that, that's, the, that's the stigma we still have in law enforcement. Well, uh, there could be a thousand reasons for that. We just don't have time for that conversation. But this breaking the stigma, <laughs> and I, I hear people say this all the time, we got to smash the stigma. Well, that starts with people like you and me. Being able exactly. to talk about our situation, that's where smashing a stigma starts. Someone else doesn't need to do it. I need to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I remember I was sitting there, Jay, uh, it reminded me of a, of a day I had when I was in treatment. I was down at Shatterproof. I was sitting there, and one of my friends called me, and he was still active due to law enforcement. Uh, and he called me from an agency in Colorado I used to work for, and he said, hey, man, how you doing? He was checking up on me. I said, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I'm in therapy. I'm getting the therapy I need. And he said, look, some of the people here, some of the other officers, supervisors are asking how you're doing. Would you mind if, if I told them, you know, what you were doing and where you are at and you were going through treatment? I said, absolutely not. You tell them, tell them my story. And that goes back to that stigma thing we were talking about. I, I wasn't afraid anymore, Jay. And I think so many people are afraid to come forward. I don't want to work with Jay anymore. He's, he's suffering. I don't trust him. You know, he's crazy, whatever you, whatever. And that's the stigma. But yeah, you're right. We need to, we need to do more 
um, you know, with the action behind the awareness. I hear that all the time. Mental health awareness. That's great. But what about the action behind it? Right. And so the action, I, there's, there's a, a level of self-responsibility that we have to do. And look, yeah. we, we were trained that we handle situations on our own. You have backup that shows up, but they, they literally are backup. It's up to you to make the call. If you are Absolutely. having a struggle in your life due to trauma, self-medicating, whatever it might be, substance abuse, a combination of all of the above, it's up to you to make the call. Go to FHEHealth.com. Check out programs on their tab, Shatterproof. It's for first responders. It's phenomenal. Uh, before we run out of time, I want to remind people you have a top podcast called Criminal Justice Evolution. Where can people get more information about that? Well, thank you, brother. And really quick, I, I now work for Shatterproof. I work for FHE as one of their national liaisons. I'm blessed to be a part of the team. But if you want to uh, listen to the show, and Joe is a mentor of mine, by the way, or uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Jay is a mentor of me, by the way, of mine. You can go to cjevolution.com. You can find all my shows and more about me. Thank you, sir. And if someone wants more information about Shatterproof, they just reach out to you? Exactly. They can call uh, 866-768-9792, or they can contact me directly, 303-960-9819. And real quickly, uh, your email address. Uh, they can reach out to me at my work address, pfitzgibbons at fhehealth.com. Patrick, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, sir. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. Thank you.